1: Dancing, dancing, dancing. That's what the UL Ragin' Cajuns are
0: doing. Good afternoon. They're still dancing. They're
1: staying alive thanks to their 71 66 win over South Alabama to claim the Sun Belt Conference Tournament. Good afternoon and welcome. What a happy Tuesday it is, March 7th, the year 2023 in Cajun land. Bob Marlin and the crew getting it. Done. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite inside the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. Head west. We're on KLCJ 1041 Lake Charles, where the Southland Conference Tournament is going on. The women playing today at 1.30. The men playing later on this afternoon around 5 o'clock, hoping to stay alive in their tournament. Uh, We are uh, heard around the world as we are streaming on 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber.
0: Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines.
1: When it comes to tournament time, teams are going to focus their attention on their opponent's best player. South Alabama certainly did that to Jordan Brown. Every time he got the ball on the low block, a quick double team came. Somebody for the Cajuns would have to step up and play Maybe the game of their life for this team to survive and advance. And that's exactly what Themis Fulks did as he went 9 of 13 from the field, scored a team high 23 points, and the Cajuns held off South Alabama 71 66 in the Pensacola Bay Center. UL's first NCAA berth since 2014. Bob Marlin, after the ball game. Oh, it's good to be able to punch that ticket.
0: feels good. Today's the anniversary of my mother's death that I had to to go home. uh, And we were with her when she passed. And, you know, it was an emotional time for me. I was totally spent last year in the championship game. But uh, it means a lot. These guys wanted to – Defend the code is what Oliver, our strength coach, said all, all summer, spring and summer and fall, and we did that. We came back with a mission to win it, and we were, we were fortunate enough to make it happen. I love this team. They, they're connected, do a lot of great things.
1: On Sunday, they'll hear their name called. We talked to Shelby Masters, Shelby's bracket, WAG, our NCAA tournament bracketologist. He thought the Cajuns would be a 13 13- or a 14 seed. Team is folks, 23 points after the ball game. Oh, it's all about the love and the appreciation of his teammates.
2: Uh, Well, I wanted JV to really be aggressive still because, I mean, even as a, if a double's coming, I have faith in him to still make the shot. But I do, I just told him early in the game, I said, trust me. Like, throw it back to me, I'm going to get it back to you or I'm going to find open players. But I just told him to trust me. and He looked me in my eyes and he trusted me. So, I mean, I, I can't give enough credit to JV for, like, really trusting me and letting me play freely and be myself. So I appreciate it. Round finished with
1: 13 points on six of 16 shooting, but he got 16 boards and he got two assists. Folks, just a winner. Um, unlike the first two games in this tournament, Cajuns didn't come close to leading wire to wire. South Alabama was on fire, 62.5% from the field in the first half. Uh, Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Um, It went. uh, Free throws were critical. Down the stretch, South Alabama missed. Lewis and Kentrell Garrett didn't. And the Ragin' Cajuns are moving on. On Lewis had his third straight double-digit tournament effort with 12 points, five rebounds, and two steals. The star of the the night for South Alabama was Isaiah Moore, career-high 33 points and three assists. But look, uh, we talked about it. The key was to limiting South Alabama and their three-point shooting ability. So they did that, and because of that, Man, what a what a drive back from Pensacola it must have been. We'll have a live report from Pensacola with a former comrade of ours, Dave Schultz, will join us here in a few minutes. Locked on the Sun Belt is his podcast, and we'll talk to Dave all about that. LSU baseball, well, um, again, four days they outscored their opponents sixty-two to six. The capper was a. Dominating 11-zip win over Butler, the third run rule victory in a row. Uh, Jake Johnson called it maybe LSU's best game of the season. When you look at the overall picture, okay, I'll take his word for that. LSU hit uh, had 14 hits, including three home runs, but the most impressive aspect of the entire night, Saksha heard the transfer from UCLA, got the start. Struck out the first six batters he faced, limited Butler to only three hits in six scoreless innings. He had 11 strikeouts, only one walk, had 73 pitches that he threw, 54 were strikes. If he's not a weekend starter, I don't know who is. I don't know. He had a rough start to the beginning. He's got acclimated. And since that Southern start, he has been dynamic and he looked up to the task of being that Saturday starter um, last night. Last night, it was was very, very impressive. Jay Johnson said, I thought overall this was our best offensive game of the season, the way we executed, the way the lineup flowed. We did a lot of things well. We really moved the ball around the field and displayed professional hitting all the way through. Tigers will have uh, uh, their next opponent coming to town Wednesday, Lamar. Cardinals are ten and two on the season. They already have a win against then fifth-ranked Texas A and M. Yes, um, the calendar tells me that. Believe it or not, LSU spring football practice starts in just two days, with a lot of anticipation and expectations there. What's going to happen to the New Orleans Saints? Derek Carr is now a Saint, and now the clock is ticking. What's going to happen with Michael Thomas? The Saints checked the biggest box in their offseason list now. They turn their attention to the rest of the roster, and one of the biggest decisions involves Michael Thomas. The offseason clock is ticking. Thomas's Saints career hangs in the balance, and who knows what they're going to do. A $31.7 million roster bonus looms March 17th. If Thomas is still with the Saints by next Friday, the team will owe him that massive payday next year. It's very complicated, but I can tell you right now, that ain't going to happen. Now, everything seemed to be where he was going to be gone. Seven seasons in New Orleans. Maybe Thomas uh, might be eager for a fresh start. He's endured three injury-marred seasons. The Saints have missed the playoffs in back-to-back campaigns. But the addition of Carr could be a game-changer. Maybe Thomas thinks twice about returning to New Orleans this season, assuming he's willing to pay for a reduced salary. We'll talk all about that with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network here um, on the program. Well, 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 the New Orleans Pelicans yet again lose on the road, this time to the Sacramento Kings, and the Pels are now tied with Utah, Portland, And the Los Angeles Lakers, they are all 31 and 34. But because of tiebreakers and everything, the Pels are right now outside of even the play-in games. Outside of it. They're a team heading deep south. Three and seven, their last 10. They've lost two in a row. They can't win on the road And they struggle at home. Up next Wednesday, the Dallas Mavericks come to town. (laughs) Holy cow. I cannot believe how this season has turned and turned so quickly. They're just a half a game ahead of the Oklahoma City Thunder. What's gone and, And what amazes me is, okay, yeah, no Zion Williamson. Well, the Lakers... Don't have LeBron James, pretty key play uh, component to their team. The Golden State Warriors don't have Steph Curry, pretty important component to their team, and yet those teams keep winning and the Pels keep Losing Ali Cassell will join us and we'll talk all about that. So um, not a good day for the Pels. Great day for the Ragin' Cajuns. So happy for Bob Marlin and company. Uh, That's our guest list for the day. So we'll take our first time out of the day. We'll get a recap from Pensacola as the Cajuns will be hearing their names Sunday night as the Field of 68 is announced. Dave Schultz will join us after this first timeout.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: It's crawfish time. And the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, is giving you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil party. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway, cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Go register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumblers, and chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus... Plus, we're throwing in a pair of Astros tickets. Enter now. It's the ultimate crawfish boil cookout uh, giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game.
0: Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm I'm glad that you asked that question. Actually,
3: I'd like to jump in and
0: take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have yeah, at it, Give us a call on the hotline at 337 706 0111. Now, back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. <laughs>
1: Oh, this is gonna be fun one of my one of my favorites one of the really truly good guys out there in this broadcasting world works his um, his fanny off he does a whole lot of stuff locked on the sun belt he does podcasts he's just a good guy used to be used to run the show over here uh, and and did a great job and then he moved off to Mobile Alabama. My man David Schultz Schultzy,
3: How are you man? What's up Blind bomber? I'm good. How are you? We're doing okay. A little tired, but we're okay.
1: <laughs> you were there with your locked-on Sun Belt, um, and the, uh, you know, and the the podcast that you do, and all the updates and reports that you do. So, uh, you kind of sum up what that Rage and Cajun victory was like.
3: Well, they hung on. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. You know, they get a top four seed, so they only had to play three games, which is actually one more game than it used to be. Uh, to win right. the Sun Belt Championship. South Alabama was not, so they had to play a, a, a fourth game uh, in five days. Uh, but that's the way it worked out, and, you know, the Cajuns hung on. They had a six-point lead. The Jaguars' legs were tired, and for some reason, the Cajuns kept on turning the ball over, and South Alabama couldn't quite take advantage yeah. of it. You know, they missed uh, 11 free throws total, and, you know, the, the final three-pointer went in and out, and, You know, the Cajuns hung on, and, you know, it's just a—it's not a great matchup for South. Uh, Richie Riley said that, that it was going to be the worst matchup of the tournament of anybody they had to play. Uh, You know, Louisiana just has too much size with Jordan Brown and Terrence Lewis and Joe Charles. Uh, They just have too much size for uh, South Alabama, and yet, I mean, the Jaguars were right there. You know, if, if you could have told Richie Riley, we'll give you, you know, a chance to tie the ball game up to go into overtime down three with twelve seconds left to go, he'd take it. And so, you know, that the game was really close, and it was—I mean, the biggest lead for the Jaguars was seven; the biggest lead for the Cajuns was six. It was just a—it was a great conference championship game.
1: And I've always said this: expect the unexpected. Uh, teams know one another so well, so the game plan. And I, I like—I like Richie Riley. I remember him at Nichols. He's a good, really good basketball coach. He wasn't going to let Brown beat right. him. So every time the ball went in the low block, he's double teamed. He went six of 16. He did get his 16 rebounds, So he did, he did his part, but somebody would have to step up. I, I you know, is folks really 23. Well, good for him. That's what happens when he, when you play in tournament time, expect the unexpected.
3: Exactly. And you know, this, Jordy, we go on the radio all the time and second guess the coaches. I don't second guess Richie Riley at all. I wasn't going to let Jordan Brown beat South Alabama. He was the combined 22 out of 27 in two games, including 13 out of 15 in Lafayette uh, a couple of Fridays ago. And I think he made like his first yeah. six shots in the second half. Seamus Folks was all of like two of 13 or maybe even two of 14 in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament uh, up until yesterday. He had made a grand total of 11 three-pointers all season. He made three yesterday. He had his season-high 23 points. Uh, he was absolutely one of the differences in the ballgame. And, again, I, I don't second-guess Richie Riley at all. You're going to make somebody else be you and somebody else did. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Do you like the venue? Is that a good – is Pensacola a good spot for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament?
3: It is when you're an, exactly an hour from it from Mobile. I don't know how convenient it is from Lafayette. That's yeah, five hours yeah. uh, for the occasions, But if you make a weekend out of it, like, I don't know how many people from Marshall hung out after, you know, they lost. Right. But it's a good time, you know, I mean, especially, I mean, Marshall, you know, they had those windstorms and there was no power. But you could have stayed for like three days and enjoy 70 to 80 degree, to degree weather. The uh, arena is really good. I think they had a great crowd. You know, I don't think okay. for the Sun Belt you're ever going to get, you know, 8,000 or anything right. along those lines. But, I mean, they had almost 4,000 for Saturday's ball game. Like Southern Miss and the Cajuns and then almost four thousand for last night and lots of red. Both teams wear red. I just right. don't think outside of the snafu with the women's ball game, Troy and ODU, I, I think it was a great uh week down in Pensacola.
1: Awesome. Dave Schultz kind enough to join us, locked on the sun belt amongst the many, many things that he does. You you know Bob Marlin pretty well. You covered him. Um you were around when they when they last went to the tournament in twenty fourteen,
3: yeah. correct? Yes. So, again, Jordy, I've been doing this for 10 years, covering the Sun Belt. I don't think they've had the same format like three years in a row. So, back then, I think it was only the top eight teams. Like, not all the teams in the Sun Belt got in. And that was one of the things that James Madison's coach said. Uh, They struggled last season. Uh, Mark Byington said, you know, I just want to thank the Sun Belt for allowing everybody to come in and play in the conference tournament. And Texas State got all the way to the semifinals, right? And they gave the Cajuns all they could handle. Uh, yeah. And so, um, in this case, you know the, the Cajuns were you know top um, you know top uh, four seed. They get a double bye, so they only have to win three ball games. They were the preseason pick, and in yeah. October at, at some Bell Media days, uh, Bob said, "Look, we're probably preseason pick because you know, everybody else has a new basketball team. We just return the most players. Nobody really knows, That's but right. we return the most players, and they they were playing really well, and then they hit a little bump in the road." Uh, and I actually talked to Themis folks after the ball game yesterday and asked what happened. You know, he's like, well, they had 8,100 in Southern Miss, so they beat us in that ball game. And then they had a weird travel deal going to uh, Troy, so they, they were exhausted in the second half of that ball game. But, you know, the schedule worked out for them. They got Arkansas State at home. Then they beat South Alabama. Then they get a week off uh, yeah. and, you know, really did a number on Georgia Southern. Hung on against Texas State, and uh, you know had just enough to get past South Alabama. Um, you know we've seen Bob Marlin, you know have his best team and not win this thing. And right. I can't, Im- you know, Jordy, I can't imagine the pressure on, you know, these these one bid league coaches that the whole thing Ooh. comes down to one weekend, yep. right? So he has this yep. great team a few years ago with you know uh, Bryce Washington and Frank Bartley and Jonathan Stove. And Stove uh, tweaks his ankle. He can't go. Jaqueline Grant gets sick. He's throwing up. And, you know, they lose by Season's one in the over. semifinals. And everyone yep. considers it a, a massive failure of a season. Um, and, you know, he just keeps on grinding it out. I'm, I'm sure you've heard this. You know, I'm in Mobile and I heard it. You know, his job was on the line this year. And, no doubt. you know, I think it would have been a mistake to get rid of him. And I'm glad they won it. And I'm glad that uh, yeah. I presume he's going to be around for, uh, for a much longer time.
1: That definitely bought him some years. The pressure was on him. There's no question about that. Um, but they had a mission, and they they accomplished it. Does, does, was Bob smiling afterwards? It's hard to get Bob to open up and, and show some emotion and enthusiasm. He is who he is, and I'm not faulting him, but that had to be a like a the weight of a piano off of his back.
3: Well, I, I'm going to guess. I don't know this for sure, but probably just getting to the finals may have saved a job. But he was also emotional last year, which I totally forgot. You know, yesterday was a year ago that his mother passed away, and he's dealing with that, as his team is making a run to the Senegal Championship uh, game last year. And so I just can't imagine, you know, probably thought last year his job was on the line, and his mother's dying, and he's trying to coach his team to a championship game, and he's going back and forth. Uh, And this stuff is hard enough, uh, you know, to do without something along those lines. I asked one of the Cajun's assistant coaches, Uh, You know, do you get, can you get some sleep? You know, can your mind rest at ease? He's like, no, you just toss and turn. You know, you try to get to this point. One of the coaches said, you know, whoever makes more shots is going to win. It's not that difficult. But he was, you know, I just can't, you just can't get the mind to stop. Uh, And he was, he he did get emotional last night talking about his mom. And probably, you know, it'd be interesting to ask him, and I'm going to try to do that on Lockdown Sunbelt. I don't know if I need to go through you, Jordy, to get him on. (laughs) <laughs> uh but if i can get him on you know was it more of a, a relief to win it or is there a sense of accomplishment because it, it, it certainly can be both but there's got to be a yeah. sense of accomplishment because gotta you know be. you I got think you that, know, yeah Kansas, i think that louisiana southern miss marshall all really good basketball teams and then south alabama is the hottest team of all right, right. Winning 11 out of their last 13 and you know louisiana absolutely deserves to go to the ncaa tournament hopefully they can you know, again, it's going to be good matchups. We'll see who's going to match up against Jordan Brown because he's a little bit different. There's not a whole lot of post players uh, like him around these days. And yeah. I know he didn't, you know, have a great game yesterday, but he's hitting 15 footers, you know, from the elbow. So yeah. he proved he can do that. Um, and if Seamus Folks, and Jalen Delacourt can have the kind of games they had yesterday, this Cajuns team, you know, might be able to give somebody a challenge.
1: Well, they made their free throws down the stretch. South Alabama did. did. It really is kind of a simple game, Dave. I mean, we, I've I played it all my life. You shoot the ball, you put it in the basket. More than the other team, you're going to win. Now you got to get it in the right people's hands to do that. Uh, and the Cajuns did, and they are uh, still alive so, and well. So, Having
3: uh, said that, Jordy, Jordy, have you seen anybody like Isaiah Moore? He is the most unique player. He's a he's, point guard. He's really good. He doesn't yeah. do threes and posts yep. people up and uses the pivot foot, you know, I, I don't remember Tiny Archibald, and I know Tiny was you know much I more do. explosive, but I kind of feel like that's the kind of comp that I, it is because he, he pump fakes, he gets guys in the air, he goes up against bigger guys, and i just never seen anybody like Isaiah Moore. It was a lot of fun to watch got, him. And, you know, I think the Cajuns, if you go back and watch the game, Cajuns probably got a little bit fortunate that some of those floaters and layups that usually go in did not last night.
1: I would have, I would have put a bigger defender on him. I'd have played way off, and I'm say, you go ahead and make that 17, 18 footer. Once you get inside the lane, I'm, I'm bodying up and my length. I'm not gonna let you shoot over me. That's me. What? But he, he was brilliant. But they tried he, that. He was, went,
3: he went, he went over and through and past Joe Charles. <laughs> yeah. They tried that. Yeah. It didn't work. You, you knew what he was going to do, and they <laughs> right. still couldn't stop right. him. I'd run a double do, team at I would something. double him once he gets past the free throw line. but Yeah, double him we'll up. See.
1: Make him get the, rid of the basketball and make somebody else beat me. But, um, you know, it's easier to coach from over here. But, right. uh, but David, I, I wish you nothing but continued success, man. Thank you so much for hopping on board, and I'll, I'll help you get Bobby Marlin. How about that?
3: Thanks so much. Be, uh, be sure to subscribe on YouTube, Locked On Sunbelt. Thanks, Jordy.
1: You got it. Dave Schultz, kind enough to join us um, as the Raging Cajuns survive and advance. And now Sunday will be a great day as they hear their name. We don't know when it's going to be called. We don't know who they're going to be playing or where they're going. But they're, they're in. There is no doubt about that. LSU baseball hoping to be in at the end. So far, so good. We'll recap the Tigers and where they stand now as the number one team in the country with Chris Reed after this timeout.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Brought to you each and every day by the great folks at ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets, over 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. They've got everything. So if you can't shop right at ShopRite, dudes, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat. Reduction, Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville by the Louisiana Lottery. Oh, you got to play if you want to win by DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli tucked away in the corner, home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. And by Cajun Chef, crawfish season? Yes, indeed. Turn up the taste with Cajun
0: Chef hot sauce. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, we're back 33 minutes after the hour. LSU with another dominating run rule victory. Third in a row. As they took care of business yesterday against Butler. So, uh, just an obliteration of Butler, Central Connecticut State. I just kind of wanted to get the feel of where this LSU Tiger team is uh, after outscoring their opponents 62 to 6 in four days. Chris Reed, a former LSU Tiger baseball player, kind of has a good, well, not kind of, definitely has a good feel for things, and he joins us now with his thoughts on this number one ranked team in the country. Hey, Chris, what's happening, buddy? How you doing? Doing great. How about you? I'm doing terrific. Uh, The biggest thing I got out of this is Thatcher Hurd looks like he's the guy that everybody thought he was going to be after he transferred from UCLA. Kind of a rough start in the beginning against Southern, but since then, man, he looks the part of a weekend starter to me. What do you see in Thatcher Hurd?
2: Well, you know, with a with guy coming in uh, that has the expectations as he did, um you know, with the injury last year, you assumed that he was going to probably start off relatively slow regardless of how much uh, action he got during the fall and the spring. Just anytime you return the game action, it's always slightly different uh, than practice or anything else. And I think now you're kind of seeing him settle in. I-, I think you're able to see his off-speed settle in as well. He's starting to throw his off-speed for strikes. And, uh, you know, early on I, I thought that, he wasn't able to land it hitters were able to have better at bat because he was one-dimensional and uh you know it doesn't matter if you're playing butler if you're playing incarnate word or if you're playing right. auburn or whoever um they're all college baseball players they're there for a reason and okay. um if you're one-dimensional they're going to be able to hit you it doesn't matter if you throw 96 97 um but like I said, right now you're seeing him kind of put all the pieces together and he's turning into the guy that we thought he was.
1: Uh Six innings pitched, gave up uh, three hits, struck out 11. His control was great. Only walked one. Of his 73 pitches, I think 54 were strikes. So he went six. Blake Money comes in and closes things out. They they do the seven-inning run rule deal up 11-zip. Um When you look at this baseball team, you know, you you got Trey Morgan, who I thought is a terrific first baseman. He's out there in left field. Do you think he stays there, or do you think they move him back to first base? What what do you think Jake Johnson's tinkering with here?
2: Well, he's trying to get as many uh, high-quality bats in the lineup as possible. And, you know, you have Trey. He's an exceptional athlete. Uh, he's multidimensional, so he can, he can play the outfield, and I personally believe the outfield is his spot um, in the big leagues or in, in okay. pro ball, uh, just due strictly to his size and what I guess pro ball would consider a lack of power um, on his end. But he's obviously a fantastic first baseman, a fantastic hitter. Um, but I think with the way that uh, you know you have Beloso. Um, Jones, a couple other guys swinging the bat that can play first base um, at the level that's needed. I, mm-hmm. I, I think that he's just trying to tinker with getting as many solid at-bats in the lineup as possible. So I think that's what you're looking at here.
1: Chris Reed, with us. Um, you played a little infield. You played a little out. You played everywhere. How, how, are you surprised at how productive Gavin Dugas has been hitting four ten? He went one for four yesterday. He, he's kind of in a position where we weren't really sure who was going to be the second baseman. He's kind of taken it and gotten a gotten a grasp of it, and he ain't he's he's not letting go.
2: Yeah, Jory, I, I tell you what he has surprised me uh you know I played with him for a couple of years and and, and he and it was an exceptional hitter um and defensively he when he first got here he had he had a ways to go uh you uh-huh. know they, they were moving him around he never could really get situated in one spot um due to the players that we already had kind of in positions and um you know Going off into the offseason, they had to do a eye surgery for him. And definitely as a player that had eye issues as myself, um, I know how hard it can be hitting-wise uh, when you don't have the proper uh, line of sight. So mm-hmm. um, I'm glad he, able, he was able to get his eyes corrected. And I, I think you know you're really seeing him fall back into the production category that he was two years ago um you know when he was and he hit 20 something home runs and batted 340 whatever it was and and i think you're kind of seeing him get back to his old self and and, and like i said i wasn't expecting it um i Me don't either. know that many who were but um i, I think everybody uh, that follows LSU baseball is very happy for him and very yeah. you know excited for the uh, team and how you know, he kind of solidifies the infield from definitely from a hitting perspective, but he's no been playing question. really good defensively too. So I think, you know, I think he's he's kind of just clicking right now and hopefully he can continue that uh going forward.
1: Yeah, Gavin Dugas at the top of the lineup. Um I think one of the other big surprises, and um he was gonna transfer but decided to stick around playing right field. Paxton Kling, batting in the uh, the eighth hole, man. He's batting three ninety one. When well, you can get your eighth hole hitter to hit three ninety one, boy, you talk about some depth, huh?
0: Yeah,
2: I I, uh, I don't know very many teams that are going to have their uh, eight or nine hole hitter batting almost four hundred. And um, you know, I I don't know very many teams in the country that, regardless of his average, just they have a such an athlete and a, and a threat in that hole um, as well. I I think, you know, I was talking with some people uh this weekend that were asking about, you know, he, he kind of took a seat for a few games and I, I thought the leash for him was a little slow, but I'm not the head coach. I'm not the one mm-hmm. calling the decisions and um you know, I I, I thought I thought they should have let him fight through his uh, you know, his issues early on and and kind of get down and you know, regardless of which way you did it, um, you know, this past weekend he was on fire. Uh, whatever Coach Jay Johnson did, it obviously worked. Uh, his at bat seemed uh, a lot better, a lot more in tune with what the pitchers were trying to do in terms of game plan. Um, uh-huh. And so I, I think, you know, if we can get him really rolling, uh, you know, it's, I mean, the, the lineup is just, it's stupid how, how, uh, how well it can it, it can work, and and I think it's just going to be absolutely dangerous going forward.
1: Chris Reed, kind enough to join us. The other thing that stands out to me: um, three, they play twelve games. Twelve games, only three errors. Their fielding percentage is a gaudy point nine nine two is that something that's just a confidence builder that's contagious and carries out through uh, the entirety of the lineup or what what has happened there where this team last year was like uh, up in the high you know teens at this point in time but this year man they're like they're like glue
2: yeah i mean to touch base on what you mentioned there about last year um you know Without, you know, not trying to place blame on an individual player, really, but, you know, it was a, it was a known fact that Thompson was having struggles defensively right. last year, right? And right. when your shortstop, which is presumed to, you know, be one of the best players on the field defensively, is not kind of pulling his weight, it can negatively affect the other people around you. Uh, just like they say hitting is contagious from an offensive perspective defense is the same way and I felt like that kind of at least helped um, you know in the demise of the defense quality or defensive quality that we had last year mm-hmm. but I mean this year it's, it's incredible the 360 uh, the attention to detail uh, during the offseason had to be you know very extensive from a defensive perspective but I mean this year everybody is you know they're doing all the fundamentals right. And when you get the fundamentals down, a lot of the other stuff is not very hard defensively. And I think when you, when you play that well defensively, it translates even into the offensive side of things. And, and I think right now they're just very in tune. They're very confident on both sides of the ball. And, 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 I, and I hope and I expect it to continue to carry forward.
1: Former LSU Tiger, Chris Free joining us. LSU's got Lamar on Wednesday, then a three-game series with Samford, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, UNO on next Tuesday, and then then the big boys. LSU has to travel to College Station to take on Texas A&M. At one point in time, the fifth-ranked team in the country, a team that was beaten by Lamar earlier this season. So one, two, three, four, about five games left before you start conference play how soon before we Jake Johnson says, okay, here's my Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or is that something you think other than skeins on a Friday may continue to evolve and change throughout the course of the season?
2: Yeah, I I expect it to uh, be kind of held close to the chest in terms of uh, Jay announcing any starting uh, roles for pitchers, except for obviously skeins. I mean, the guys won two SEC pitchers of the week. He's, Striking out, you know, at on average twelve batters a game. I believe it, yeah. the, the things, the things he's doing is, is just you don't see that in college. I was talking with a buddy that pitched at Tulane for four years and then got drafted and played pro ball for three years the other day, and he he just as soon as he saw me, he he, he was just just gloating about how good Keane's has been. But you know, with the rest of them, Jay particularly uh, likes to. Uh, you know, keep it close to the chest and keep the other team guessing. That way, the, mm-hmm. the other team doesn't have any um, advantage to prior knowledge of of what they're going to see or who they're going to see, and and it makes it a little bit harder when you when you're going in there um, and you're not knowing. you got to show up to the field, you do all your practice, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the guys get told, "Hey, this is who we're facing. Hurry up and come watch some video footage on them, and this is what right. they got. Um, right. You know, in terms of pitches and, and, and velocity and." So it's kind of like a last-second thing. And, and when you can have a multitude of, of uh, you know pitchers that can fill a role, it just makes it harder to decipher. And so if I, if I was him and if he stays true to what he's been doing, I, I would assume he kind of holds it closer to the chest. But it can definitely evolve um, throughout the SEC schedule in terms of who's the Saturday-Sunday guy just because, like okay. I said, we, we have so many quality arms or above quality arms, to be honest, uh, that can fit in either of those positions.
1: In any sport, any player wants to know their role so they can get acclimated and adjusted to it. Some people are like the sixth man in basketball. You're going to come in um, sometime before the you know the twelve minute mark of the first half, you're going to come into the game. How important is it for a pick like a Thatcher heard? In other words, Skeens knows he's going to get the ball on Friday. For the mentality of a, of a picture and his defense behind him, do you like to know? Okay, Thatcher is going to be our our Saturday starter, or does it make any difference?
2: Uh, I mean, I'd say a little bit. I would have to assume that. You know, kind of touch base a little bit on what we just said before this. You know, Jay is going to probably hold it close to his chest, but the players are probably going to know the week prior to starting. You know, until the start of SEC play, and so they'll they'll have an idea of what what to go after. But um, you know, right now with the way the staffs pitching, uh, you know, if I was playing infield, I really wouldn't care who, you know, who's pitching because. One, they're not getting that many ground balls because the amount of strikeouts that they're having, but at the same time, the confidence in the pitcher, um, you know, every single time they go out from the starting role uh, primarily, but it, uh, you know, it's just, it's boosting the confidence every single time, and, and you know, it, it, uh, once you get kind of rolling with a certain pitcher, you will kind of feel a little more inclined or a little more energized, and uh, you know, because any time right now that one of our starters is going out, something special, you know, is happening. I mean, Thatcher Heard the other right. night struck out twelve. Uh, yeah. Skeen struck out thirteen. I mean, that's just fun stuff to be a part of. I, I can slightly remember, um, you know, going out there when Alex Lang was out there. I mean, I I felt like I could have sat in a recliner and kicked my feet up when he was pitching, just because I knew he was such a and you know, such a high effort. Pitcher, and he would go out there, and I trusted him to get the job done every single ch- every chance he got. So, I think they're kind of getting a little bit of that right now, and, and uh, you know, hopefully, it'll keep going.
1: Well, um, it's going to get rougher. Um, LSU ranked number one in the country, Tennessee three, Ole Miss four, Florida six, Vanderbilt seven, Arkansas eight, (laughs) Texas A&M 15, Alabama 18, South Carolina 20. Need I say more? The SEC is just a gauntlet. Chris Reed, I can't thank you enough for your time, big guy, and uh, we'll do it again soon, buddy. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for having me. You got it. Chris Reed. LSU Baseball. Back to wrap up our number
0: one next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: We here at the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station wants your help. Go and subscribe to our YouTube channel at the game, Louisiana, turn that bell on so you can get notifications when we post our new content and game recaps, help us get to 1000 followers at the game, Louisiana on YouTube.
0: Every day is a chamber of commerce kind of day. When you're listening to the Jordy Holberg show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your hall for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana.
1: All right. uh, We're going to talk a lot of NFL in our number two. We'll talk NBA as well. Jets apparently in talks with the Green Bay Packers um, and Aaron Rodgers trying to pull off some type of a, trade for the four-time MVP to the Jets, a contingent of team officials from New York, including owner Woody Johnson, general manager Joe Douglas, head coach Robert Sala, and offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett flying to California today to meet in person with Rodgers. It's uh, I don't know if this meeting is going to result in a trade or whatever, but uh, at least look, you got to give them credit. They're pulling out all the stops. And if I'm the Green Bay Packers, don't you think, hey, um, this guy, he really is not sold on us anymore. So let's let's get him to New York, but let's get everything we possibly can uh, for it the complication to the deal. Rogers nearly 60 million dollar in number and the complication of the contract. Um, that's going to have to be addressed to make sure t- both shirt both teams are in compliance with the salary cap by the start of the league year next Wednesday at 4 pm. Eastern three o'clock, our time at three o'clock today, it's the time. It's the deadline for the franchise tag. What are the Ravens going to do with Lamar Jackson? They're going to tag him. They're not going to let that dude get out the door, right? Come on. I mean, we're not crazy, Um uh but, but we'll see. We shall see. At least the Saints know who their guy is. Now they got to figure out who's going to be around Derek Carr, and all sights and sounds will be on Michael Thomas. The Seattle Seahawks struck a deal with Geno Smith, so they they've got their quarterback, but there's a whole bunch more of them that are out there. Um, They did tag as my producer, James. Thank you very much. Uh, They tagged uh, Lamar Jackson to a non-exclusive. Now we'll see what, uh, uh, what happens from here. That's just the start of things. Believe me, that's just the start of it. Everybody in the world is mad at the Cleveland Browns and ownership for the deal they did with Deshaun Watson, which completely priced him at another Atmosphere, another stratosphere because they were so desperate for a quarterback. Now everybody else, Lamar Jackson is going, I'm, I'm an MVP. I'm better than Deshaun Watson. Pay me at least what you're paying him. If not more. And so all the owners are ticked off at the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> ticked off. All right, our number one's in the books. A lot of NFL talk coming up. Ali Cassell will join us in hour number two. We'll talk about the get the shovels out, start digging the grave for the for the Pelicans because they are the Smelicans again. And Bob Rose of the Saint Sue's Network. Our number two's here on the Geordie Heltberg Show. That's our number two of two, and away we go. Um, congratulations to Bob Marlin, his staff, and all the, the and Cajun Hoopers as they um, survived in advance and won the Sunbelt Conference Championship game, beating South, uh, South Alabama last night. And the Raging Cajuns are in the field of 68. Are the New Orleans Pelicans going to be in the field of 10? As of right now, the answer is no. What a precipitous fall they have taken since being number one way back when in the West, and now they're in a log jam tied at 31-34 and 34 with the Utah Jazz, the Portland Trailblazers, and the L.A. Lakers because of uh, the tiebreakers and all. Right now the Pelicans are at the bottom of that. So if the season ended today, Unbelievably major disappointment. I got to do it. Let's talk about the New Orleans Smellicans with my main man from at the Bird Writes, Ollie Cassell. Ollie, how the mighty have fallen. My goodness, how are you, sir?
4: I'm doing a lot better than the Pelicans in the (laughs) standings. That's for sure. I think all of us are doing better than the Pelicans. It's another look, it's ridiculous to think about, but it's another tale of two seasons, right? Last year, we talked often about how poorly they started and how they rebounded and then really used that momentum to get into the playing tournament, make some noise, win, and then get in the playoffs. It seems like they're following the exact opposite script, and there's only five weeks left, right, to save anything that they can.
1: My goodness. you know it's tied at halftime then they come out from the locker room and they get blown out 38 to 20 where is their sense of urgency who who is resp- you got to look at the coach and the I mean who do you look at where is the sense of urgency with this club yeah they
4: get easily derailed now and i'm pointing my finger at everybody because i think yeah. there's blame that's deserved to go to you know the players, the coaching staff. Last night, since you bring it up, they were co- or they weren't posting. They were cruising offensively, right? The offense was looking good, and then Mike Brown throws one little monkey wrench into that plan by going to the zone about midway yep. through the third quarter, and suddenly they couldn't score. They didn't make the adjustments, and on the other end, they never slowed down Sacramento. So, partially, mm-hmm. absolutely, that goes on the coaching staff, and we've yep. seen that happen previously. And that's what's weird to me, because this team has seen a lot of zone. Everybody knows the book on them. They don't shoot, you know, as as well as most teams around the league and especially over these last two or two and a half months. But they like I said, they've seen his zone, so they should know how to counteract it. And I know they didn't have Larry Nance. I think he's a big key to breaking down the zone because you've got to beat it by attacking the open middle, right? Around the foul line. Right. They didn't right. have him. But other than that, they could have tried something else. But instead they looked lost. And the game fell apart, right? It went away from them in that third quarter. That's the of the third quarter.
1: CJ McCullum looks tired to me. I, I mean, he's not the same player, Ollie. He's just not.
4: He looks like a guy that's hurting to me. Um, yeah. He, 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 yeah, he, he makes sometimes there's a pass or two. He makes those errant passes that you're left scratching your head about. It's happened, you know, last season. We saw it earlier this season. But now, I, I think it's really taken a toll on him. And when you watch him, right, these last three weeks, he's always looking at that thumb or readjusting that wrap that he's got around it after every shot, after yeah. a lot of passes. So there's no doubt that that has definitely, you know, plagued his his play and, of course, affected his performance. Because you're right, the Pelicans can't win if, if 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 he's it's not just making shots; it's making smart decisions. I mean, Brandon right. Ingram has six turnovers. Um, C.J. has five. That's eleven team had a total of sixteen. When you're not playing as well as you should or you know that you can, you gotta, you know, do the things that you can control well and one of them of course is not turning it over. And there was like at least six passes I counted between the two players where I was yelling, No, don't pass it, yeah. whether it was a cross court yep. pass or into traffic or, or they're yep. jumping. They're trying to drive in between two players and somehow they obviously lost the ball. So a lot of head-scratching play, but you're right. CJ's been kind of on this trajectory now for the last couple of weeks, but for me, I think it's solely right. A lot a lot to do with his thumb. Remember, he's not a number one option, but now that he's got Brandon Ingram back, he's in a more comfortable role, but suddenly he's not playing well. I've seen enough of him to realize that I think he's a good player. He's a, that good secondary scorer for a team, but right now he's not even doing that for them. I mean, just look at the shooting percentages.
1: Yeah. Um, golly sakes alive. Uh, the Mavericks come to town Wednesday, the Mavs play tonight against the jazz, and then they're going to have to travel. So that's an advantage there. You got the Grizzlies and the Lakers. We don't know what the, you know, what the John Morant situation, but, um, all these teams, everybody said, well, you don't have Zion and, and, you know, you don't have Jose and everybody's hurt. Now everybody has a player. It seems like that's out of the lineup. um, and i i just don't know where these pels are going to i mean they they're no good at on the road so they got dallas on wednesday they got the thunder they, you get a couple of days off after that you don't play again till saturday with a very beatable team in the thunder then you get portland on a sunday and the lakers on a tuesday you you better win all four of those i'm just telling you better or you like you said get get your shovels out and start start digging the grave
4: yeah, Jordy, I don't know how, but somehow they still have an opportunity, right? They can still save this season yeah. by making a playing term or even doing better. I mean, I keep looking at the standings. Nobody's really separating themselves once you look no. outside what, to say, the top four, right? I mean, yeah. Minnesota is only two and a half games, I believe, ahead of the Pelicans, and they're in six. So it, everything's still gettable. One good winning streak or a stretch, and they're right back in it. And these, it's not just the next four games I'm looking at, which are all at home. It's the next eight. I feel like eight. they can right. take six right. of those,
1: right? Because that because after that, those four, you got back to back with the Pel- with the, the Rockets, then right. you get the Spurs, then you get mm-hmm. the Hornets at home. So, to me, I, an eight game winning streak is certainly doable if they just start playing with a sense of urgency and Jesus guard somebody, guard anybody.
4: Yeah, they did a great job of that in Portland, I thought. And then against Golden State, I thought they defended pretty darn well. They just couldn't score. Had they just had an average offensive performance, they won that game. Suddenly those two, or was it three threes that Golden State hit, when the Pels were up four with less than five minutes ago, it wouldn't have mattered. They would have still won that game. Last night, that's where I, I understand why you're talking about sense of urgency. Because I'll tell you what, the Kings look like the team that the Pelicans did towards the end of the last season, and even at the start yeah. of this year. They yeah. play with so much force. They played with that point .5 mentality. Every decision they made was quick and decisive, right? The way the ball hopped around the perimeter the yes. to, to their drives, right? Kicking and driving. They played flawless basketball, but, uh, even though they didn't have the Aaron Fox, right? He's their best player. Right. That's yes. how the Pelicans were playing, right? They were surviving without their stars, but suddenly they weren't. And you know what bothered me the most, Jordy? It's after you get smacked in the mouth in the third quarter, and you're watching the fourth quarter, and the Kings are running back on defense faster. So say the Pelicans score, guess what? The Kings quickly get the ball out, inbounded, up the court, and they score before the Pelicans even get set on defense. That's not supposed to happen. So Uh I agree with you. I think this team's just going through that kind of mental fatigue where, like, they're beaten. I think they're showing signs of, like, you know, on their faces and their body language that they've been beaten up. So when they take that shot and they suddenly fall behind in games, they don't have the willpower to bounce back right
1: now. And that's um can can somebody guard Kevin Herter, please? Somebody yeah. get a hand up on this kid. My goodness gracious. Open look after open look after open look, and he's knocking them down. It's just so infuriating. What do you do? You gotta shake this thing up somehow, some way. What what would you do? Who would you start? Yeah. How would you they, do They this? know what they
4: have to do. you got to start well. Kevin Herter got going quickly because they gave him space on the perimeter. C.J. McCollum was going underneath screens against the shooter. You, no. you, that's rule, rule book 101 type of stuff. Yep. You're not supposed to yep. do that. So, obviously, he found his confidence. So, like I said, you got to get up in their faces. You've got to play the way that you've always played. Larry Nance says the identity of this team is by playing pesky so you're the team that nobody else wants to play because of how you're in everybody's face, how you're going after every loose ball, right? You never give up. They have to show it because they haven't recently and they've got to, they've just got to do it. We've seen some glimpses of it, right? I know they've lost 6 to 7, but I thought like I said we saw it in that win against Portland. I thought they started off great, right? Against Golden State had a really good first quarter. There's been other highlights, but you've just got to stay on that pedal for all 48 minutes. That's the biggest key.
1: Coach, you got to throw a chair or do something. You got to get these guys emotionally involved in this thing rather than looking like they're sleepwalking. I'm I'm not going to look there. I I would be foolish to say the Pels can win eight in a row. They ain't done that. I mean, but six out of eight, they better. It's doable. And if they do that, heck, they're right back in this thing. You think they understand that? They still have an
4: opportunity. That's why. I just hope their confidence hasn't taken such a beating, right? Ten-game losing streak. Now you've lost six of seven again. Zion's return isn't right around the corner, right? Like I told you before, I'm hoping for April 1. That's that's the date I've got circled. But you can survive until then because we just talked about the schedule. So I feel like somehow this coaching staff's got to figure out a way to make them successful on the court, find that motivation. I know that players are supposed to bring their own motivation, but right now, if you think back to what Willie did for them in that game against the Clippers in that playing game, needs need some of that magic. Because I'll tell you what, his comments last night, and I know it's coach speak, but when he was asked if he's got any concern about the way the ship's been going the last two months, he said, I've got no concern. I turned Shoot. off the TV. I'm not going to lie. I turned off the TV because I don't want to yeah. hear it. Because we, all of us know that's not true. So I'm hoping yeah. he's not telling the players that, which yeah. I don't think he is. So he's just doing it for the media, right? He's, he, he's that calm guy. but. Behind the scenes, boy, I really hope that they're trying to, like I said, light that match.
1: Who is the leader of this team?
4: You know, last year, it was Willie Green. You know, he had some help with some of the vets, right? Josh Hart, namely. Uh, Jonas Van Achenus did a big, uh, did a lot behind the scenes, taking guys out to dinner, showing them things, right? And he's still been doing all that. CJ's been a big help. But you're right, I don't know who it's going to take. I mean, you would prefer it to be one of your leaders, right? Whether it's Zion or Brandon Ingram. But if not, it's got to be Willie again. So I I hope, you know, I hope he, you know, dials that number in, types it up, whatever he needs to do, gets it going again.
1: Yeah. um, Wow. I guess it's just, um, it seems like it, like you said, it's every year, hopes up high and then, (laughs) uh, and it's just, it's so darn frustrating. And they just, it's a team, Ollie. that you got to learn how to win. In any sport, you got to learn what it takes and how to win. Sacramento has learned that. I think mean, that's quite obvious. They have learned that the Pelicans haven't. They still have not learned on a night in, night out basis what it takes to win in the NBA. And until they yeah. figure that out, we are going to keep well, this record to
4: the Miami Heat. They've had a miserable offense during the same stretch that the Pelicans have. But guess what? They've won more than half of their games that they've played since January 1. Why? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, they leaned into their defense. They leaned into that competitiveness. And I'll tell you what, the Pelicans, they showed all that when times were good, right? It's easy when winning is happening, right? But now that adversity has really struck again, I think these young guys are learning. I mean, they're of learning. It's not going to help unless they turn right. it around. And I'm hoping, yeah, like I said, exactly they right. take it, right? They, they I, take it and run with it I somehow. Want see
1: during, <laughs> I, I want to see during a timeout when it's a 10-0 run and Willie calls a timeout, I want to see one of the players stand up and start screaming. Like, do something instead of sitting down with your head down. And I mean, Brandon Ingram ain't going to say nothing ever. That's not his – per. but who – somebody has got to take control of this thing because – the best teams are the teams that are driven by the players themselves. Absolutely. And the coach Absolutely. sits in the background and goes, that's that's where it's supposed to be. They don't have that. It's plain and simple.
4: I think that guy can be Zion. I really do. I've seen him get emotional. And, and you know, he'll do it through his play on the court. He'll have a couple plays, and he's yelling, screaming, and it lifts up everybody else.
3: And,
4: and he's a big cheerleader, yeah. too. You're right. Brandon's not that guy. So it has to be, I mm-hmm. feel like, Zion.
1: But he's I can't talk about Zion because he's. I can't talk about him because he's never available. I know it's not his fault. I know he doesn't on doesn't do it on purpose, but he's never available. It's just so sickening. All right, enough, enough. Um, <laughs> I'll give the Pelicans uh, some more opportunities. Um, Luca, who always destroys the Pel's, now he's got Irving with him. Okay, well, they better win six of the next eight. Ali, or I'm going to raise some cane. That's all I'm going to tell you.
4: I'm going to be right there with you. Because, look, the Mavericks, you're right. Luke always destroys them. But guess what? Since that trade for Kyrie, they can't stop anybody. So I'm hoping that the Pelicans offense Yeah, but we
0: can't score. But
4: <laughs> it's,
1: it's going to be they great. To they can't then defend. You've got the
4: Thunder, Trailblazers, and Lakers, they're all right there for the Pelicans. So yep. that doesn't motivate you enough because you're looking at the Stains and they're right there. Yeah. You're at home. You got to push them down the standings. I mean, they've got that chance. Let's see how they react, right?
1: Sense of urgency. You got the next four at home. Sense of urgency. Ali Cassell, you're the best. I haven't given yeah, up so are yet. Are you, Jordy? But and I hope we got something better to talk about
4: next week because this this is getting I'm, a little depressing again.
1: I'm calling them the smellicans till they prove themselves to me. So. Please prove yourselves to me. Urgency, desire, fire. Let's roll. Let's go. Ali, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it.
4: Absolutely. Take care,
1: Jordan. You're the best. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. We'll take a time out here when we return the Black and Gold Report next.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: The Monster Trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome. The Toughest Monster Truck Tour returns March 17th and 18th. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, has a VIP package to the Toughest Monster Truck Tour. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com. A VIP package includes four tickets, access to the pit area, a merchandise certificate, and lunch with the truck drivers on that Friday. The Toughest Monster Truck Tour is coming back, and you could win a VIP package. of the game southwest louisiana sports station
0: it's time for jordy to march into some new orleans saints talk with saints news network's bob rose here is the black and gold report with bob rose here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station
1: is Bob Rose uh, a happy Bob Rose today? Good afternoon, sir.
0: Good
5: afternoon, my friend. I'll tell you, Jordy, I'm not nearly as happy as Derek Carr is because I don't have nearly as much money as Derek Carr now <laughs> has. Um, you know, So congratulations to him and congratulations to the New Orleans Saints. This was the guy that they clearly wanted really from the end of the season on.
1: Give them credit. They set their sights. They, they, they were in a position of need. They attacked that with a sense of urgency early on. And, okay, why do you think – what was the deciding factor, do you think, uh, for Derek Carr – to to make that deal when he did and to make that deal with the Saints while Aaron Rodgers is still out there and the New York Jets are still out there and the and you know there's other teams still out there what what do you think happened what turned it so quickly uh it, it- from Derek's perspective I got to believe that
5: uh you know near the top of the list was his relationship with Dennis Allen. Okay.
1: Uh you
5: know everybody knows that Dennis uh you know drafted Derek back when he was the coach of the Oakland Raiders back in 2014. Uh but what a lot of people don't know is that the two uh the two men you know Carr and Allen have maintained a very close personal relationship since. Uh you know so that had to be a factor in Derek's thinking. And you look at from it, at it from Carr's perspective, Perspective too. He has been in the AFC West with Young Gun Patrick Mahomes, Young Gun Justin Herbert, uh, you know, and uh, you know, a perpetual contender in the Chiefs, up-and-coming contender in uh, in the Chargers. You look throughout the conference. You have Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, uh, Josh Allen, and uh, you know those powerful teams, uh, you know which those quarterbacks play for. You look at the NFC, and at least on paper not as formidable. You look at the NFC South specifically. There're no Kansas City Chiefs there. All there are right. no no LA Chargers there. Uh you know, everybody views the NFC South as a division up for grabs. Uh car gets to play in a dome at least 9 times a year when you factor in you know obviously the 8 games at home uh you know and Atlanta just up the road too. So you know weather for quarterbacks are often a determining factor. Uh, You have a few young receivers, Alave, Rashid Shahid, Juwan Johnson. All of those guys are on their rookie deals. You have a chance to play with Alvin Kamara, one of the most dynamic backs in the league. I mean, those were all factors for Derek Carr.
1: Why do I think now? I saw the tweet from Michael Thomas when they announced the signing. He went, thank God. It appear I keep fluctuating on my, hey, look, he's not going to get 31.7 million. They're going to have to, if he's going to be with the Saints, they're going to have to restructure that thing. But it seems to me he's got a quarterback that can throw the football down the field. He hasn't played in a couple of years. He can do a one-year deal, bet on himself, put up numbers, and then come in 2024 and say, here I am. Now I'm starting to feel like Michael Thomas is going to be a saint next year.
5: You know, I'm coming around to that way of thinking too. Uh, You know, first of all, let's get the elephant. Yeah, let's address the elephant in the room, like you just did. He's not going to get thirty-one point seven million dollars. Uh, Yeah, yeah, which is what his uh, what would kick in immediately if he was still on the team uh, by March 17th. So we're talking, what, 10 days from now. So if anything gets resolved, it's got to get resolved in the next 10 days. Uh, But your 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 perspective is very interesting. And I think Kerry holds a lot of water. We know Michael Thomas could still play. We saw it in three games you know, last year before he went down with injury in Derek Carr. You have a quarterback who you know, who throws a very, very accurate intermediate ball, something that Jameis Winston has struggled with throughout yeah. his career. So maybe Derek Carr and you know, Michael Thomas's way of thinking now, maybe Derek Carr is more his style of quarterback. Um uh, you put up some pretty numbers, you take you, know, you you renegotiate whatever deal that Thomas has between he and the saints. yeah, uh, you know, and like you said, you bet on yourself for a one- year deal to potentially hit the free agent market next year, yeah uh, you know, after a after what is hopefully a good year with a quarterback more your style. Yeah, I think there's a lot of water to that., uh, but yeah, you know, let's not get too excited because again, the Saints and Michael Thomas only have ten days to figure this out.
1: Maybe Derek Carr needs to take him to Ralph's on the, uh, in right. the park and uh, to start talking, to eat some good food, and and let's let's ride this thing because if you have him now, that's your number one. I like Olave as your number two, and then you got Rasheed out there. I mean, that that just makes life a whole lot easier. And man, I know the Saints have needs. I know. Um, I still think their defense is pretty darn good. I, I got to bulk up on the offensive side. So uh, get, me a, get me a dynamic running back. Get me something. What, what do you do now in the draft?
5: Uh, I think we'll see the Saints, uh, and this is what I would do too, I think we'll see the Saints stay true to their draft board. Because while I agree with you defensively, The defensive tackle position is still a huge spot that needs to be addressed. And there's two or three guys that I'm going to be watching very closely uh, that could be should be available late in the first round. But outside of that, if you don't, if you make the decision to move on from Michael Thomas, wide receiver is still a need. Alave is terrific. Rashid is terrific. But neither of them are those big possession guys who can rule those intermediate zones and that's what Derek Carr that's what this offense needs yeah running back certainly a position in need you definitely need a guy that could thump it between the tackles you might want to go out and get two running backs because you already know Kamara is going to be suspended for at least six games yeah uh you know he has been nicked up more and more as the years go on uh hey I like the offensive line on paper as it is but if a if a blue chip offensive line prospect especially interior offensive line is available to you at number 29 maybe you pull the trigger on that that's an underrated need. Uh, yeah, there's three or four really, really good tight ends in this draft. And although I love Jawan Johnson, maybe you get yourself a more prototypical tight end. Remember Derek Carr had Darren Waller to throw to for these last yeah. few years in Vegas, more and they league put league up some percent. lovely numbers together. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it, 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 I think they stay true to their draft board. That's what I would do. But those are the most glaring positions on this team right now.
1: Wow. I, I mean – Look, Carolina's got to be going, what What are we going to do? Um, Tampa Bay's going, what the heck are we going to do? Um, at, Atlanta's going with a guy who's going to be in his second year and just kind of took over toward the end of the season. Um, does this put the Saints in the <laughs> driver's seat, doesn't it, in the NFC South? I mean, really? Yeah, early on,
5: uh, early on, if you're going to run to to the Vegas betting line and place a few dollars down, I think it does. Uh, But, yeah, there's still so much to be sorted out, as you know. Uh, know, Yeah, the, the Panthers have a top 10 pick. Uh, you know, the Falcons, maybe they don't sit pat with Desmond Ritter. They have a top 10 pick. Maybe one of those teams bring in or both bring in a quarterback. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is still out there. Uh, you know, if you're Tampa Bay, I think Garoppolo would be a great fit in Tampa Bay's offense. Uh, I mean, he, you know, he he played with Brady. Uh, you know, so you're talking somewhat similar style of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the quarterback position, all three of those teams need to address it. Uh, I know Atlanta says that they don't, but I still believe that they might. Yeah. Uh, all three of those teams just, need to address it. Aren't good,
1: there aren't enough good ones to, to go around. No, Man.
5: no, there, no, <sighs> there's no. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers, if he gets dealt away from Green Bay, I don't think Aaron Rodgers uh, stays in the NFC. Uh, so again, what do you have? Uh, you have Garoppolo. And then after that, you have the Baker Mayfields and Sam Darnolds of the world. <laughs> Or you go draft one, and there's gonna yep. be growing pains there.
1: All right. Speaking of that, we got a lot to talk about besides the Saints. Uh it's the tag. The tag has ended now, so we know some things have been done. Uh and 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 there's even a rumor going around that Tom Brady might unretire again. We'll talk about that and much more with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network on the Black and Gold report. After this timeout, I can't believe I'm saying it.
0: This is the Jordy Holdberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't ShopRite, at ShopRite. You just can't ShopRite at all. There's 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. Come on. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon is in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, play and you can win if you don't play, you can't. DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. And by Cajun Chef. Crawfish season? Huh? Seafood, anything. Turn up the taste with Cajun
0: Chef Hot Sauce. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the blonde bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let yourself... The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Forty-five minutes after the hour, we continue as we do each and every Tuesday. And so thankful for Bob Rose of the Saints News Network uh, and the Black and Gold Report. The franchise tag um, ended today at 3 o'clock. And we got all kind of things going on. Bob, um, the Giants struck a deal with Daniel Jones, a new four-year deal. So they got their quarterback locked in. But because of that, they had to put the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. Um, <laughs> the Ravens tagged Lamar Jackson. Jackson. Jackson as the sides still can't agree to a deal. And I blame Cleveland and the deal they did with Deshaun Watson for making this all a mess. What do you think about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? Uh, First
5: of all, I'm not at all surprised that the Ravens tagged him uh, since they were unable to reach a deal. I never, and I still don't think that Lamar Jackson is going to be leaving Baltimore. Uh, But I'll tell you that does crack the door. If a team were to swoop in, uh, yeah, because Lamar has what what's called the non-exclusive franchise tag, which means that he still can negotiate with other teams, which also means that other teams can make an offer to Lamar. If that happens and the Baltimore Ravens do not match it, then the Ravens would get two first round picks. Now, it does. Yeah, it, we're not talking about a trade here, so you're not talking about necessarily high first round picks or anything like that. So. Say Tampa Bay. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have uh, their eye on Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Uh, I think given the uh, the talent remaining on Tampa Bay's roster, and they're they're going to have to make some salary cap cuts. But you're trying to replace Tom Brady. Why wouldn't you give up two first round draft choices to sign Lamar Jackson to a big big deal? Because uh, he's still a young guy. So if you yeah. get him, if the Ravens don't match him, you have him. Uh, you know, conceivably for years to come to rebuild your offense around. So the, yeah, the the Ravens, I'm not surprised they tagged him. I am surprised that they put the non-exclusive tag on him because that does crack the door for other teams.
1: Yeah, you're right. You mentioned Tampa Bay. Their roster purge continued. They released starting left tackle Donovan Smith. They were about $55 million over the cap, $35 million going toward recently retired Tom Brady. And now there's rumors circulating because of the situation With two attack of Aloha and all the concussions, hey, pay me sixty million. I'll come. I'll come play a year for you. Tell me that's not the case.
5: No, Jordy, I don't think that it is. But it wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, first of all, I don't think enough people were making a big enough deal about Tua's concussion issues. Yeah. I mean, you know what, three or four in you know, less than a calendar year? That is very concerning. Uh, yeah, we know that the Miami Dolphins have had ties and it per- heavily pursued Tom Brady in the past. So, yeah, again, if you're the Dolphins, you're sitting here, you have that wonderfully talented roster. Yeah. Maybe you do have questions about Tua. Uh, why wouldn't you go after Tom Brady? Josh McDaniels is sitting out there in Las Vegas and personally I do I think if Brady comes back for a year or two it would be at a place like in a place like Las Vegas. They have a terrific running back, they have a terrific couple of uh, tight end terrific receivers and an offensive coordinator a head coach and Josh McDaniels that used to be Brady's offensive coordinator. So do I think Tom Brady is coming back? No, I don't. Okay. But if he does it also
1: wouldn't shock me. Bob St. Sue's network. Apparently the 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 Green Bay Packers have granted permission to the New York Jets to talk to Aaron Rodgers and the owner, the GM, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, who's having a relationship with Aaron Rodgers, supposedly are flying out to LA to meet with Aaron Rodgers today. Um nobody talks about Las Vegas. I uh, I mean Nobody he's got his favorite wide receiver over there. Is it just the Jets or the Packers or retirement? Is that it? That's what we're hearing right
5: now. Uh, you know, I mean, a team like the Raiders could swoop in at the last minute. Uh, I mean, you know, remember as recently as Sunday afternoon, reports were being circulated throughout you know the national media that the New York Jets were about to sign uh, were in the front runners to land Derek Carr. And less than twelve hours later, he's signing. You know, Derek signing with the New Orleans Saints. So you never know what could happen in this situation. Uh, I find it. I, I think there's some fire here about uh, Aaron Rodgers potentially leaving Green Bay. I do too. I never thought that in recent years, but I think so now. They're fi- you're talking about a face to face meeting. That's not something we've seen in the past. So I'm very intrigued to, to to see
1: how how things evolve. It tells me two things. One, Rodgers and the Packers talked a little bit, right? And or number two, the Packers are like, you know what? I'm tired of dealing with this soap opera. We're going to get, we're going to hold the jets are the prime victim. They need a quarterback. Everybody knows it. They know it. We know it. We're going to get a King's ransom out of this deal. We'll give you Aaron Rodgers, and we'll move on. That's what it tells me. Why would the Packers give permission if they didn't talk a little bit? And one of those two scenarios didn't happen. Yeah, you're absolutely right.
5: Uh, because Aaron is still under contract, so you know the the Jets wouldn't legally be allowed to at least officially visit with him, uh, you know, unless the Packers agreed to it. And the, the, as you pointed out, the Packers wouldn't have agreed to it had they not talked to Aaron, had they not talked to the Jets, and at least ironed out some pot potential trade details if things were to uh yeah if things were to progress. And you're right, even at Aaron Rodgers' age and you know what looked to be a precipitous drop off last year in his play, a guy like Aaron Rodgers is going to command at least a couple of first round draft choices. You'd think so, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um I don't know. It's uh it's crazy. I can't imagine Tom Brady coming back. Um I'm, I'm so curious now that the saints are out of the market for a quarterback um, at number 28 in the draft, you you look at all the mock drafts, all, of, and it's, everything is different. There's not one that is, um, is consistent. Um, now I see one that uh, somebody said, Keon white, a defensive end out of Georgia tech. I, I mean, who knows, right? Who knows? But, Defensive ta- defensive line, a defensive tackle, wide receiver, running back. I think in that, those three in whatever order you want. I think that's that's where you're significant, and that's where you need stuff because you're hoping against hope that Lattimore gets back healthy, that secondary gets back healthy, and and you're okay there. But you you got to give get some more weapons on offense, man. That thing was stagnant.
5: I I could not agree with you more. Yeah, uh, you know, and again, I wouldn't have a problem if one of those you know, a big defensive tackles that I'm eyeing up fall to them and they grab them at 29, and then you just address offense with you know, whatever little money you throw around in free agency and the rest of your draft picks. Uh, you know, you you can do that. Uh, but yeah. I, for the saints to completely ignore the offensive side. And, you know, we, we saw that happen a lot in you know, the latter years of you know, of Sean Payton, uh, you know, to completely ignore the offensive side in the draft uh, you know, until you get a couple of throwaway day three picks, you know, late in the draft or something like that. That's one of the reasons why this offense has been so putrid, for the last couple of years. And I don't think that we're going to see that again. I mean, you know, we saw them spend both two first-round draft choices on the offensive side last year, uh, you know, and, and Alave and Trevor Penning. Right. Um, so I, I do think that they'll address it this year, and I think that they'll address it in the draft because a lot of the big money goes to the offensive players in free agency outside of the blue chip corners and and edge rushers. Uh, you know, you see the wide receivers get the ton of money in in free agency. Can't see the Saints doing that. I think they'll draft one before they uh, throw a ton of money uh, next- quarterbacks off the board too. Yeah. Obviously,
1: in the next ten days, am I going to be shocked by anything with the Saints? I mean, you got Davenport, Peyton is. I mean, you got you got my boy on the offensive line. I mean, they got to do something. They got to get. They got to cut something. Where, where do you think they go between now and the start of the new league year?
5: Uh, well, as you know, they're still going to have to create, uh, you know, some salary cap space.
1: Right. Uh, you
5: know, not only to make room for Carr, but just to get under the salary cap and hopefully, you know, leave themselves a little bit of spending room and free agency. You could save about ten million dollars if you restructure Cam. Uh, you could save about ten million if you restructure Lattimore. Save nearly eight million if you restructure Camara. I think all three of those things will happen. None of those three guys are gonna go anywhere. Okay. You could say you, know, you create eleven point eight million dollars if you release Andrus Pete. I think Gone. it's a no brainer that they'll Gone. release uh, yeah. I think that there's a no-brainer. They'll release Jameis Winston. Everybody sees that coming. That'll, uh, that'll net you about $5 million in cap space. Uh, you know, and then outside of that, you make a move with Bradley Roby. Saves you $3.5 million. Uh Traquan Smith, you cut him. That saves you $2 million. Uh, you know, it, it feels like it feels like you're looking for change in the couch cushions you know, after that. But if you're going to sign free agents uh, you know, off of the open market,
1: that's what you're going to have to do. Andy Dalton's gonna—he's he, not gonna be around. He's gonna ask. It's, it's too much money, so, and he, he'll be a quarterback somewhere. Somebody'll take him. I think. He, can you keep him as a backup, Bob? Can you can you keep? Andy Dalton, can you keep Andy Dalton as a backup? Sure, you can. Yeah, really? uh, yeah. Andy,
5: uh, Andy did not make that much last year. Um, yeah, he. Uh, I think you could get him back for. Between five and seven million dollar average. Uh yeah, you know, and they're gonna need a number two with starting experience. Yeah. yeah. So you know, a guy like Andy Dalton is very much in play. Same with Teddy Bridgewater or one of those guys. You have to find somebody cheap, uh, you know, to that's willing to take a backup spot beyond uh you know, behind car. So you know, no, do not be surprised. If there's a shocker and something that would infuriate a certain portion of the Saints fan base. Do not be surprised if they re-sign Andy Dalton before free agency, because Andy's not going to realistically look for a starting job anywhere. He wasn't last year when he signed with New Orleans, so you know that that's the one move in the next week and a half that we could
1: see happen. Give me five to seven million dollars to go work out, lift weights, throw a pass every now and then, and hold a clipboard. Heck yeah, shoot, I'm in. You hear that? NFL teams Jordy Holteberg is I'm willing in. to take a backup job. I'm a left-hander. I can throw it like uh, Steve Young. Jeez, Louis, that's that's crazy. Um, Derek Carr, four-year deal. The Saints will draft a quarterback when?
5: Not this year.
1: No.
5: Nope. Uh, yeah, certainly not in day one or two. Uh, yeah, if you're giving me a prediction on a year. Year three? Year three.
1: Year, yeah, three. year three. Wow. Wow. Were you surprised with Derek Carr? I wasn't. I wasn't.
5: I, now you know, I, I was openly rooting for them to draft somebody, and I'm a Hendon Hooker guy. Yeah. Uh, but you had to make the move with Carr. Uh, you know, you that, that's dotting a lot of eyes and crossing a lot of T's. If you see yourself as a contender in 2023, you had to get Derek Carr. You just had to. Uh, you know, and. You know, it, uh, John Hendricks said on our Bayou Blitz show last week, he considered, uh, you know, he thought that the Saints were considering cars options A and B. So yeah. clearly they were not I spreading agree. any eggs around in any yep. other <laughs> basket. Uh, you know, that's who they were focused on and they got him. So, you know, congratulations did, to all parties involved.
1: Did you rename your dog, no. Carr or Derek? Did you do that or something? I mean, <laughs> I did not. I am not that guy. <laughs> One last question. Third yes. round this year comes around, and Hendon Hooker's still on the board.
5: Oh, you take him.
1: You take him. Okay. You
5: take him. I think you got to. All
1: right. Very good. He is uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network, Black and Gold Report. He's a happy Bob Rose. Who knows what we'll talk about next week? Maybe Anders pete will finally be gone. We'll see. <laughs> Bob. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Take care, my friend. We'll talk soon. You got it. When we return, ooh, a nail-biter in the Southland Women's Basketball Tournament. We'll update how the Lady Cowpokes did after this timeout.
0: This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're a little low on the greenbacks? Not to worry. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville, a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, and a $25 gift certificate to Maple. Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today. Quarterfinal action in the Southwind Conference Women's Tournament. In overtime, with about 12 seconds left, Lamar, 78, McNeese, 73. Back and forth, nip and tuck we go. There's a timeout on the floor. 78-73, Lamar over McNeese. Speaking of Lamar, Lamar will be in town for LSU baseball tomorrow. We'll get a preview of that with um, uh, their head baseball coach, a team that already beat Texas A&M this year. So, Lamar, pretty, pretty good. Um, LSU basketball opens up SEC tournament play tomorrow against Georgia. We'll have a live report from that venue as well. And we'll preview the Pelicans and the Mavericks. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, special thanks to our guests today Dave Schultz. Oh, congratulations, Bob Marlin and his crew. That's just spectacular. So much fun. Uh, that That's just terrific that they won it. Beat South Alabama. Now they're in the NCAA tournament. Congratulations. That is terrific. Chris Reed talking LSU baseball. Ali Cassell, they're the Smellicans till they get a win. They better win six of their next eight or they're done. Done. And Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. If today, March 7th, is your birthday, well, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You serve, uh, you you share your day with a tennis great, won about nine uh, major championships, 63 year old Yvonne Lendl, and from baseball. Oh, the shot heard round the world to win the World Series, walk off style, Joe Carter. He is 63 years young today. So, um, Fun, fun day, fun. Tomorrow will be fun as well. I promise you we'll get you updated on all the tournament play and uh, we'll have some fun with that. James Mesh. Thank you so much for all you do in the producer's chair. Outstanding job. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion you do, the radio, the internet, the television. Thank you. Um, Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day we couldn't and wouldn't be able to do it without you come on back tomorrow same time two to four same great stations 1037 Lafayette 104 one Lake Charles until then until next time God willing I'm Jordy Helper stay thirsty my friend do everything you can to stay healthy trust me that's the most important thing let's be kind to one another and heck the alternative is no good so let's be happy Up next, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. So long, everybody.